1 and verse number 30. However, before we do this, since it's been a while since I've been you know, preaching here, and, and if you noticed, obviously, each week I take one verse of Romans and analyze it. So in order to get some background to verse 30, which is where we want to focus on verse 30 today, Romans 1.30, we really should go back just a little bit to refresh our mind of the flow and the context of verse 30. And there we find, I would direct you to verse number 28, Romans 1.28, and there it tells us, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge... God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So we have the, the, the scene here where God gives mankind over. You know, mankind rejects God. They reject God, reject God, reject God. Well, you know what? God will give you over to your desires. And your desires can be destructive. But we find that these things occur from time to time. And this is a general statement about humanity that God gave mankind over to his own wishes, his own whims. And then you find, what's the result of this? What occurs? You see in verse number 29, as a result of this, mankind now becomes filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity and whisperers. Now, if you have a good memory, last time I was here, we looked into all those words and you know, made some comment on them. But this is what happens when the Lord gives you over to your sin, all kind of maladies are going to develop. And here are some of the things coming upon the human race right here. But then that's not all. Because as we move on into verse 30, which is the verse I want to look at to today, this is seven more additional ailments coming upon mankind because they reject God. They reject God, all right, then God will let them go. And here's other things that happened to humanity. They became backbiters, haters of God. Think about that language, haters of God. Despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things disobedient to parents. Well, we have something here of a, shall we say, a microscope of of the human race. (laughs) And here God has given them over to these very difficult emotional experiences in life. And so what we're finding here is simply the depravity of man. Now, we understand, don't we, Um, uh, in our doctrinal statement, in the Westminster Confession of Faith, talking about the, the, the depravity of man. And, of course, mankind is so depraved, he cannot, obviously cannot save himself. And unless God, in his mercy, interrupts our depravity to reveal, to reveal his Son to our heart. And then Scripture says not only this, but God actually gives us faith to believe in the Lord Jesus. And that's why the scripture says, uh, for example, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, and it's not of yourselves. What's not of yourself? The faith is not of yourself. That's a gift that the Lord gives to you. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're here today because God gave us that gift, that gift of faith. And hence, we love the Lord, we follow him, 
But it's not of us. It's, it's all of him. And what we're looking at here, though, but if we do not receive this, and if should the Lord leave us, just leave us to ourselves, we'd be included in this verse we're talking about here today. And we'd be lost in our own depravity. Wonderfully, the Lord Jesus Christ came to deliver sinners like you and me out of the bondage of our depravity by offering himself up as a sacrifice for our sins. And thus we know that nothing less than the death of the Lord Jesus, his burial and his resurrection would be sufficient to rescue us from the bondage of sin. Well, let's look for just a moment here and examine some of these seven additional offenses that we commit or mankind commits before a holy God. And we have this list here right here in our text. We want to look at this. So let's look at the first one here. And the first word we see is the word backbiters. Backbiters. And that actually comes from the word katalalasso. Taking it back to the Greek rendering, katalalasso. Uh, we find katalalasso used in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. And there it's, it's translated evil speaking. So their, their verbal communication. The word is also used in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 20, and it is, uh, it is translated to be backbiting, like, like the word we're looking at here. In Strong's Concordance, he defines it as talkative against others or a slanderer. So we're talking about somebody who's got a loose mouth, an undisciplined mouth. And you know with, with an undisciplined mouth, you can destroy people. You know, I hope we're, we're careful with the things we say and how you say it. How many, and I bet every one of you, I bet we could all stand up right here and give a testimony about some, maybe as a child you're growing up, or some part of your life, or maybe as an adult, but somebody said something very, it cut you in your heart. And you know, the, our, our speech is this way. We can, we can destroy people with our, with our tongue, with our speech. And so obviously we want to be very careful. But this is what this is talking about, the backbiter. This is a, one who destroys people with his mouth, with, with his words, with his verbiage. Again, you, I'm sure you can think back of someone who did that to you. And, you know, made you feel bad, made you walk off and cry or whatever. And we can do this. Hopefully we don't do that to others, but I'm sure we've all had it done from us from time to time. So this is what we're talking about. The people who do these kinds of things, and Scripture is calling them backbiters. And you'll, you'll know that wherever there is a backbiter, there's tension and there's, there's um, disagreements, there's turmoil, there's friction. I'm thinking if, if you're like involved in, in, with a group of people, maybe you're on a team or you're in a class, or you're involved with something, then you have a group of people. If there's a backbiter there, he'll, he'll bring dissension, and he'll get people against each other. They, they have, the, they have a, almost a gift to do these kinds of things. And this is what we're finding out here in this, in this uh, using this word, the backbiter. Uh, the backbiter is the wise guy who must always have the last word. I'm sure as your circle of friends, maybe as a, as a youth growing up, you always had this guy in your group. You know, the guy's always got to have the last word, and it's usually destructive. Well, that's the backbiter. The backbiter is described in a song. 
in a famous song back in the 1960s, a song which was, which was sung by uh, Clarence Frogman Henry. <laughs> you ever remember that? Some of you may be old enough to remember that. But the, the song was called, You Talk Too Much. And you remember, it goes, You talk too much, you worry me to death. You talk too much, you even worry my pet. You just talk. You talk too much. Bum, 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 and goes on like this. Well, that's this. That's describing this guy, the backbiter, with his mouth, with his verbiage. He can destroy people, talking too much. So that's the one list we have here of uh, the, these wicked people, the unbelievers, the unconverted, that are going to stand before God and have his judgment, the backbiter. And I bet as I'm going through these seven classes of people, somebody is coming into your mind who you know. I know it did when I'm putting this together. I'm thinking, hey, number one, one of these is me. And another one is my buddy next door here. But that's okay. We want to understand what Scripture has for us. Well, let's look at the second one here in the Holy Word of God. And here we're talking here about the haters of God. Now, that's a pretty strong phrase there. The haters of God. Theotumis. Theotugis is the word there, the word for haters of God. And literally, it means the impious, the ungodly, the unholy. This is the only time in Scripture, the only time in the 1,189 chapters, 31,102 verses, 788,280 words, 3,556,480 letters of your New Testament Bible. All that information, this is the only time you see this word. And um, this word for backbite, or this word for um, the haters of God. Theos Tugis. The only time you'll see it here in Scripture. Uh, But it's, again, talking about the ungodly, the unrighteous, and... um, of course, there's many descriptions of that in Scripture. If you want to parse the word, we find it here in the text. It's, it's an adjective, accusative, plural, and masculine. For any of you who are detailed in your English grammar and all this. And I, as, I'm, as I'm mentioning these people, these lists, as I'm putting this together, of course, I have to think about it, research it, and all this, and different people come to my mind, <laughs> quite honestly. And putting, putting this together, I... I could not tell you, you know, you wouldn't know, you wouldn't know him anyway, but, but um, this face keeps coming back to me as I'm studying this and reading this. And you, again, as we go through this, I'm sure you're going to be, in your mind, be seeing people who you know or who come across to you in, in these ways. Well, let's look at the third one here. And this person is despiteful. You see, that's the next word there. Hupistes. Hupistes is the word for despiteful. Uh, we see this word in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, and there it's translated injurious. Uh, it literally means to be uplifted with pride. Someone's walking around with pride, proud and all this. Well, that's what we're talking about. That's the most dangerous sin is pride, as we all know that. I think we understand that. Um, <clears throat> these kinds of people, and by the way, these things I'm sharing with you, um, I was going to bring a name up to you. Uh, who do I want to say? Certain certain person I wanted to share with you who 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 did who did work in um, 
like psychological analysis and looking at looking at personalities. Clyde Naramore. You ever anybody heard of the name Clyde Naramore? Now he used to be all the rage in the late '60s, '70s, and and late early '80s. So he was a Christian psychologist. But there's two kind of Christian psychologists. There's a Christian psychologist who understands all his philosophies of, of, of psychology and then sort of brings the Bible into it. But then there's another kind of Christian psychologist who is a Bible teacher who understands psychology and may comment on psychological principles that are already in God's Word. That's the guy you want to hear from. You don't want to hear from the psychologist who is a psychologist first and then throws a Bible verse in here and there. Anyway, uh, uh, Dr. Clyde Naramore was the person I was thinking about, and he had a, used to have a radio program, and he's really very good. He can analyze personalities from God's Word and make application. And so some of that is, I think, we find in some of these, these gifts here that we're looking into today. And so we're talking about this one here, the, the despiteful, and what, what are some of the characteristics? They heap insulting language upon others. They treat others with disrespect. Again, I'm, I'm probably people coming to your mind as, as I say this, and they should. This is the whole idea, to teach you to understand different personalities and learn how to present the gospel to them. Maybe these personalities I'm sharing, they may be in you. You may have some of these. I do. I'm looking at one here. I'll show you later. It reminds me of myself. Uh, they treat others with disrespect. This is the despiteful that we see in our, in our verse today, in verse 30. Uh, they tend to ridicule the down and out, the powerless. They take advantage of others. They never admit to a personal wrong or needless offense. So they're pretty high and mighty, and this is, again, the kind of personality that you're going to come across from time to time. They tend to be guided by self-centered behavior directed with anger. These are angry people. And when I say anger, I don't mean, I don't mean um, oh, and they're raving it, but there are people who can be very kind and well-mannered, but inside they're, they're angry, and it really doesn't take much to have them explode. And I'm sure you know people who explode. That's why, because basically they're going around life, uh, you know, oh, how are you doing today? Oh, it's nice to see you today. Good to see you at church today. Hey, nice. Yeah. And then you go home, and just some minor offense will occur, and bam, they explode with all kind of language and all kind. And so that's what this is talking about, this kind of personality. And, you know, the truth is we all have personality disorders to a greater or lesser degree. And that's why we need to grow closer to the Lord and let him work on our personalities. We've all got them. We've all got those little quirks that, that annoy people or we've unnecessarily offended my wife or my husband or what have you. And so as, we, as we're going through these things, while I have been talking about other people, you want to examine yourself too, making sure that these things are not in you. But if they are, it's all right. You're a human being. We all, mess them. We, we all make mistakes. But it give you something to pray about, something to put before the Lord. Because as we have these things, we hurt people if we do not bring it under control. Okay, so we're talking about this despiteful person now, which is listed. Why am I talking about this? Because this is in the Bible. <laughs> That's why it's, I did not come with this message prepared by me. The Bible prepares the message. I just, I just polyparrot what's here. But this, this is the concept that, that God brings to us in his holy word. The personality that is self-centered, 
Uh, he's directed by anger. And we have a reference to him in, in Proverbs twenty two twenty four. Anybody have that memorized? That's somewhat a common verse. Proverbs twenty two twenty four says, Make no friendship with an angry man. And I could say that to it, and, and going back and looking at my years of doing marriage counseling, I want to tell a young man or a young make no commitment to an angry person. <laughs> and I, you know, I've seen this happen many times. You'll have a, 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 a man who loves the Lord and, and he falls in love with a girl, you know, and, and the girl you know, is very lovely and loving, but they got anger, unresolved anger in their heart. So when they get married and they start their life out and all of a sudden some little innocent thing happens and whoa, the wife is all upset. What do you mean by doing this? How can you say that to me? And what are you getting all upset about? We just, I just said, we're, but this, this is the kind of thing you get with this kind of a personality that we're having here described here under the despiteful. And uh, if you don't understand this, then it's very difficult to, 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 to bring about healing. So... Um, I'm thinking of some of the counseling sessions I've had with this kind of situation. Whether it could be the man that has the problem or the woman. And uh, you have to learn how to work through it. Now, you can do it. If you have God's word, you know how to work through these things. But if you don't, it can be a real problem. And that's why Scripture is showing these things to us right now. Uh, Some other thoughts about these people. They tend to, this is by the authorities I've read up on this, but they tend to demolish marriages destroy businesses. Well, if you have some of these people in your business, you're going to go broke. I've seen that happen too. (laughs) When you get involved, if you have a business, you really need to be careful who you're going to spend some time with and who's going to represent your company or however you have your system set up because they can bring great damage just by their own personality, by their own personal weaknesses. Anyway, this person here, the the despiteful, they, they can destroy businesses. They, they, they wreak havoc on churches. They, and these people are in the churches. You know, we say, all of us here, we're not perfectly <laughs> balanced. We all have emotional issues with which we struggle. But the, what you want to do is discuss, discover what yours is, or maybe you may have several, and the danger is you deny it. That's not me. <laughs> I'm good. I don't have any problem. But the fact that you have a real problem. And, and that's Okay. And but this is really many times how the church can come together and help one another. Because as I say, we've all got them. <laughs> and, uh, but as we can admit it, talk about it, pray on it, give it to the Lord, it brings healing. But if we remain in denial, I don't have any of these problems, and maybe that's your problem, not mine, I'm all right. Really not much healing happens. Uh, but the Lord brings these things up for us in order to be aware of them and, and to deal with them. Yes, Proverbs twenty-two, twenty-four: Make no friendship with an angry man. And again, when we're talking about an angry man, I'm not talking about someone, No, I'm talking about the man, Oh, hi, nice to meet you. Good to see you. Yes, nice, how are you? But inside they're quite angry, and it doesn't take much to bring that anger out. And... Um, I, I know in a very personal way. Um, I, I grew up with this, quite honestly, and I know how the damage that this kind of thing can do. Um, so anyway, getting back to this, uh, this person here, they demand, you know, they, they're very difficult on others. Um, wherever these people are involved, there's conflict. If you put them in a group, 
we're going to work on a committee. We're going to bring a committee together and you're going to work on picking out new hymn books. And you may have a group of four people assign that project and they're going to research all this. But you know what? In time, that group will start to fuss with each other. They'll start to become tense with one another and angry and maybe some will walk off in a huff. Why is that? Many times because you have one of these people in the group and they have a tendency I don't, they don't do it on purpose, but it's just the way they are put together. They'll begin to bring division within a group. So, um, again, we're simply talking here what Scripture shares with us here. They tend to bring out the worst in others. If you've got a weakness, that person will find it and bring it out. <laughs> and that's just what they do. Um, so they usually bring with them confusion, division, turmoil, the threat to explode if, if they're offended. And so that's the despiteful. You risk taste. Now let's move on to number four. And this is huper athsenos, or pride, the proud. You see that, not the number fourth one here in our text. So what are we going to do with this? Well, let's talk about them for a moment. They tend to place themselves above others. Might get that definition from, from Vine's expository dictionary. They place themselves upon others. They usually place themselves in front of others, literally or figuratively. They tend to overestimate their own importance. They tend to think they walk into a group and they, <laughs> I'm the guy. They're really not, but they think they are, and they act like that. They often despise others. They're always making comparison, and of course, they want to be the head. You know, they want they want to be the head guy. And again, that's this is this 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 is the huper a thanos, or the proud. They tend to treat others with contempt and disdain. They look down upon others from time to time. And here's the verse that describes them in many ways. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That's why these people fall, because they're full of pride. And Scripture tells you, you know, pride, the most deadly sin that you can get and I can get, is pride. And if you ever sense that's in you, you know, we need to fall on our knees and, Lord, please deliver me of this. You don't want to have that. And maybe somebody does. Maybe I'm bringing this up. The Spirit of God's having me bring this up. I don't know. <laughs> maybe someone out here, you've got an issue with pride. It's okay. You're a human being like all of us. But if, if the Spirit of God tells you you may have these things, that's okay. But you want to deal with it. And that is, when you go home, get on your knees and, and confess these things to the Lord and ask Him to take them out of your life. And He will. If you pursue the Lord in all honesty, and great healing can happen. When, when we hear these things and analyze ourselves, and you think, well, you know, that's me. Okay, it's all right. You're human. We all make mistakes. But, go, but you want to deal with it. Just don't keep it. The sin happens when I just hold on. Oh, I'm proud. Okay, and I just keep my pride. That's not the, we need to confess that before the Lord and get it out of our life. That way we can be a good witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, here's some, some warning signs of such a personality. You may know someone who has this. Here are some things that are common in their lifestyle. They harbor a critical and harsh spirit. 
Uh, they tend to be superficial in relationships. In other words, they really can't have a deep relationship with them. That's just the way they're put together. It's very difficult to do this. Um, and this is, by the way, this kind of personality is someone that, that's very difficult to do discipleship work with. I know I've tried it. <laughs> and, you know, there's some mindsets you can work with and, and they grow and learn and you can communicate well. And there are others, for whatever reason, you say, well, you can't communicate to this person. You know, what, don't know what the problem is. Well, a lot of it has to do with these things we're talking about here. This kind of person, uh, this one <clears throat> with, with uh, I'll be technical here, Huper Thanos. That person is difficult to do discipleship work with. You can do it. It can be done by the power of God, but it's difficult. Um, some warning signs to such a personality. They harbor a critical and a harsh spirit. I mentioned that. I guess I mentioned that. Yeah, they're superficial in relationships. Number three, they are persistently defensive in their language and tone. They're defensive in their language and in their tone. They have a, they're always on the defense. They're very sensitive and easily offended. How about that? How many times have you offended someone? You didn't mean to offend them, but they're offended by something you said or didn't say or whatever. And when you're in their, when you're in their presence, you need to walk on eggshells if you're in their company because they, they easily get offended. And then sometimes when they get offended, they fire off the handle. Have you, ever, have you ever been in a, shall we say, a party or a gathering, and that kind of person got offended? And what did they do? They lash out on someone and storm out and sort of puts a cold blanket on everything you're trying to accomplish. This is a kind of personality set, a kind of issue that some people deal with in their life. And this is what Paul's writing when he writes, Huper Thanos, this kind of person. What did Jesus say? And by the way, with all these personalities, you know, the real key to this now is God's word. And I've seen this happen. You can get, bring a person in and you do counsel with them and pray with them and share them Bible verses about, you know, what, what they're dealing with and keep them in prayer. And people can get over these things. It's hard. It's, it's difficult to do, but they can do it. And that's, what, that's why we have the word of God to help us. Not only we can go to heaven by the work and doing of Jesus Christ on our behalf. But again, what did I mention earlier? There's 1,189 chapters here. And it's not all about salvation. It's, all, it's around salvation, but there are verses that deal with humanity. Verses here dealing with relationships. I mean, think of all the, in, think of all the wisdom there is in here about a, a, a man, a woman, or a husband and a wife, just how they relate to one another. And so as we get into God's word and understand these many blessings that are here, it can do so much for marriages, it can do much for a business, learning how to do a business, following the Lord. And, and so that's why we're looking at these words here. We talked about those who are simple, superficial in relationships. We're still talking about the proud. We're almost finished with this. They tend to be, be defensive in language and in tone. I think I mentioned that. They're very, very easily offended. So, and yes, and the last thing I mentioned, Matthew chapter 7, verse, 4, verse 15, there meant Jesus mentions about those who inwardly, they're ravening wolves. I'm thinking you know this person. I've met them. Hey, Don, good to see you. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
but inside he's a raving bull. He's angry, he's harsh, and you learn that in time. You may not know that the first time you meet him, but once you begin to get to know them, do things with them, and you begin to see these things popping out. Okay, so the number five, the fifth thing here is the despiteful. And so now we're looking at this list here, those who are struggling. These are, these are people who struggle with spiritual issues, and these are the different kinds of people. And I'm sure as I'm going over this, and maybe some of you are this way, maybe not completely, you may be a combination of these, but this is what sin does to us. As sin is in our life, we struggle with sin. Why? Because we're born in a state of sin. We are sinners by nature and by choice. And that affects our personality. It affects how we see the world. It affects how we relate to one another. And that's what this list is, just letting us know what sin will do to us, and therefore we can learn how to deal with it. All right, very quickly, finishing this thing up here, talking about the despiteful. And these people here, they, they scheme to be noticed. They need to be the center of attention. Think about that. I bet someone's going through in your mind now. You're in a group, but somebody's always, this person's always working and making noise to be the center of everything. They just can't sit back and just be like everybody else. They've got to be right in the center of it. That's this person here we're talking about, where Scripture calls them the despiteful. Uh, they, they gravitate to those who feed their ego. They ignore the weak, the unattractive, the poor. They want, they want to be with the, what should we, what, there's a name for that, what is that? I can't think of the name, but they want to be with those that are popular, those that are advancing, and they, they sort of want to be on their coattails, is what they try to do. And then all this mess, there is a good a bit news, good news I want to throw in here. And it comes to us from Luke chapter 14, verse 21, and all this discussion of these personalities. Think of this, Luke 14, 21. Jesus speaking, and he says, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. Is that the people you want to identify with? <laughs> I think you'd rather identify with the rich, the friendly, the kind. <laughs> bring them in. But they're not the ones that need salvation. And our Lord gives a specific command. Go out and get these people. The poor, the maimed, the halt, the blind. Because you know we find in Scripture, Christ's target was the troubled. And guess what? Why do you think you're saved? Why do I think I'm saved? Because we're part of that group. And by his mercy, he sought us and saved us. And so now we can learn about these things that we may be able to share others also. Think about some of the disciples who followed Jesus. We could analyze them and see the mess that they get themselves into. And also think about this. Jesus, being a Jew, always had the problem with the Gentiles because they were always giving the Lord difficulties and trouble. And so in this list, he's mentioned, he probably has in mind the Gentile people that he's got to deal with. But he, but he tells you what, go to these people. Go to those that are hurting. Now, this is a good little message for all you who are well-adjusted there, if there's anybody here well-adjusted, but just kidding, of course. But, but that's the key. Go to those who are hurting. 
We, we like to gravitate to the friendly, not only to those who treat us nicely and give them time and attention. That You're naturally gravitating. But the Lord says, go to this guy that's offensive. Go to this woman who's difficult to deal with. Go to them with the word of God. Show them the love of the Lord. Many times people are difficult to deal with because they've never been shown the love of the Lord. Maybe they were raised in a very harsh home or the people around them, they have a poor selection of friends and all they have is harshness. I know a couple of families like this. All they have is difficulty and harshness and poverty and ridicule and mockery and it just ruins a person. And you may know someone who, you know, you think, well, that person's not very friendly. Yeah, well, where did they come from? <laughs> you see many times a difficult background that they have. Okay, let's move on here quickly. I said I'd be quick and I'm going on here. Let's go here to the next word, which is boasters. You see the boasters there? And that comes from the word um, alazone. If we go back to the Greek rendering, it's the word alazone. We see that word in Romans 1.30. We see it in 2 Timothy 3.2. Uh, Vines Expository Dictionary defines this as a wanderer and a vagabond. He's always never in the same place, always wandering around here. And you find those people in terms of and jobs. Uh, they work in this job for six months, then they're over here for three months, and then they're over here. And this is again a, a, some kind of a personality. Uh, and here, you know where you find this too. And I bet you've seen this. What I'm going to say, I bet. I'm not a betting man, but if I was a better, I'd bet a lot. You've seen this in the church. There are people who will come to a church and they'll come, hey, this is the greatest church. Well, I can't wait till next Sunday. This is fantastic. And next Sunday they're there and sitting up in the front row. They're eager to participate. Man, this is really good. What a great sermon. Three months later, they're gone. And you never see them again. Never hear from them again. Well, where is it? Oh, he went to this. He's now gone to this. Church down the street, oh, okay, for two months. And then he's over here to this church over there. And that's, you know, like they call that church hoppers or whatever. And that's this kind of a person here. That's what he's making. This is this, the, what they call the boasters or the alazone. That's what we have in mind here. They tend to be very defensive, very sensitive to the slightest criticism. You see, when they hear in the message, you're a, sin, you're a dirty, rotten sinner. <laughs> they don't like hearing that. And it's going to be hard for them to, to remain many times. They tend to be easily offended. And so um, that, that's this, the, the, the poster. That's the, the poster that we have here. Um, they, t- they often pretend to be something that they're not. Uh, clues to their presence. Here's how you know if they're in your presence. You may see some of these things to a greater or lesser degree. Well, they often, they blatantly lie to get their own way, to get an advantage. They act overly confident. Hey, I can do that, no problem. But inside, I can't do this, but he's putting on a big show. Yeah, I can do this, I can handle these things. Uh, He speaks loudly, um, covering up his own insecurities. I bet you know somebody that's like that. Hey, Don, how you doing? Good. (laughs) Yeah, I saw him the other day. He's always loud all the time. What are you so loud for? And that, that's why. That's part of his personality. That's part of his cover. Hey, I had a great day today. Yeah, we did. And so that's, again, that's part of, what, part of what he does. Often they're fearful that others will discover their insecurity and fearfulness. When feeling threatened, they quickly revert to name-calling. They can get harsh if you actually t- 
touch something sensitive in their heart. They're fond of dropping names. Oh, yeah, I know this guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, we do. That kind of thing. They tend to belittle others, especially when they're feeling threatened. They heap, they heap praise upon themselves, although they've accomplished very little. They like to brag about themselves. Oh, okay, what'd you do, John? Well, I, I really didn't do much at all, but that's, again, part of his mindset. He tends to exaggerate. He, he tends to drip with grandiose embellishments and big ideas, but really when you look at him, there's really not much there. What, he, what, he, what he's saying does not correspond with reality, what you observe. <laughs> Put it that way. And um, basically, they have what they refer to as damaged emotions. Their emotions are damaged. How, how is it that maybe through sin, through, you know, we don't know what they're damaged. Maybe it, may, it could be a physiological problem. You know, some of these things we're talking about, they're not necessarily psychological or physiological. You know, actually something's not working in the brain or somewhere in, in their body. But these are various personality traits that Scripture brings up. And guess what? They all need to hear the gospel. They all need to uh, come to the Lord Jesus Christ. The last one I'm going to share with you here is one, is, we use the phrase here, inventors of evil things. Inventors of evil things. Ephuritus, Cacon, inventors of evil things. And we see in Scripture, like the chief priests, scribes, the Pharisees, people like that is what it has in mind when you see that phrase. Here's another example in Scripture. When many, the Bible says, when many believed in Jesus because of the raising of Lazarus. You know all the story of Lazarus, how Jesus says to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. Here comes Lazarus. Well, here's what we find, that these people who were watching, they plotted to put Lazarus to death. The background tells us John 12, 10, because in their heart, they were inventors of evil. They wanted to kill, they wanted to kill Lazarus, but Jesus brings them forth. And we find that a lot of this hostility, who eventually, wanted, initially wanted to kill Lazarus, this hostility turned on Jesus. And these are the ones who said, crucify him, crucify him, and led to the Lord Jesus on Calvary. And this is what scripture refers to as, as uh, inventors of evil things, that kind of a person. And they're hostile to the world, the flesh, and the devil, and you have to, they're people that you're going to rub shoulders with. And I lied, just told a lie to you, told you that was the last one. Here's the last one. There's one more here, and I will be finished for the day. And we're talking here about disobedient to parents. That's the last subject we'll talk about today. It's the last one that's in our text. Disobedient to parents. Now, probably to a greater or lesser degree, that's all of us from time to time. None of us obeyed our parents perfectly. Some better than others. But this is an issue that uh, Scripture brings forth here, so something we need to look at. You see a reference to this in the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 18. And basically, these are people who refuse to obey authority. You put a th- it could be a policeman they won't listen to. could be a, a judge. <laughs> could be a parent. could be a teacher. They don't listen. They're saying well, they're going to do their thing no matter what. 
and that we use the phrase disobedient to parents. They do not follow directions. They do not obey. They're unwilling to be taught. And you might examine yourself. I find this to be very, very um, common to, to have, um, ask me, blah, blah, blah. Let, me, let me ask you, do you, do you have a teachable spirit? Do you think you're teachable? When someone wants to give you a correction or share something with you, are you ready to receive it? And, and it, may be, it may be a correction they want to make in your personality or in your lifestyle or whatever. And of course, by nature, we all want to defend ourselves. But are we open to hear some criticism? And somebody's, you know, you got this fault and lays it out to you. And can you receive that without being defensive and hostile and, and, and justify, justifying your own behavior, but to receive it and say, yeah, and you know, looking in my own life, I know it's hard to realize I have a problem, but yeah, I do have some problems like everybody else. But the things that really help is when somebody lays it out to you. It may be embarrassing, it may be hurtful. But if you take it and, and then take it in prayer and say, Lord, is, if this is true, what John just said to me, then show it to me and give me power to repent over it, to change it. And probably every one of us, probably to a greater or lesser degree, needs some adjustment in our lifestyle. <laughs> None of us are perfect unless we're following exactly the Lord Jesus Christ. So these are good things to be aware of and uh, asking, do you have a teachable spirit? These people don't have a teachable spirit. There's those who are disobedient to parents. You say, parents tell them what to do, they're not going to do it. They're going to do what they want to do. So they don't obey authority, they're un- and they're unwilling to be taught. Often these are the, the ones who you go, thinking back, go back to your days in school, and you, you know, there's always the troublemaker there, right? And he doesn't listen to the teacher, he does his own thing, and of course they usually fail or flunk out of school, or they're just always constantly troubled. That's what this guy is here. But we use the phrase here, disobedient to parents. Well, that's the last one that we have here that we're going to be looking into today. Um, Now, I know this. My remarks today were pessimistic. I realize that. When you come to church, you want to be uplifted. You want to be encouraged so that when you leave, well, you want to take on the world. But you know what? That's not reality. And there's no way we can be loyal to God's word and send you out feeling powerful every day. Someday it's good for you to walk out, maybe judging yourself, being aware of your own sins and realizing how you may have hurt someone and walk out in a, in a repentant state. Sometimes that's what we need as well. I know we always want to be pampered up and there's victory here and grace, but that life is just not that way. But so I know my remarks tend to be pessimistic. It's like a downer. And, you know, now that reminds me of this and I'll conclude. <clears throat> Years ago, some of you may know, I say all, us old guys know more than you young people out there, but around the 1970s, I guess late 60s, 70s, 80s, a very famous radio preacher, Charles Swindoll. You, you, you familiar with Charles Swindoll? He's got a lot of books out. Great speaker, tremendous speaker. I went to one of his uh, seminars, and, um, you know, I'm a young pastor, I don't really want to learn, I'm writing down everything he has to say, but he said something that, that struck me weird. And, and it's amazing, I remember it all these years. And I'll tell you what, I'm, <laughs> it's getting harder and harder for me to remember things, and if I can remember this, this is really, it made a real impression. But um, I, I think, in fact, I asked him the question, well, 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 is there any questions out there? So I raised my hand. Yeah, uh, 
Mr. Swindoll, how, how, how can you, what was the exact word? How can you explain, or to what do you attribute your wonderful skill in preaching and the great effect you have on your congregation? What do you attribute that to? And I thought he would say, so, well, you know, the Spirit of God, the Lord guides me, I see the principle in his word, and, it, and that's not what he said. And I thought, okay, you know. But what he said really, really baffled me, really. And so his answer was, well, he said, you know, I try in my preaching, I try to keep everything positive. I keep it positive. And the first, oh, yeah. And then, of course, the first thing I think, well, I'm going to keep it positive. But then, you know, I don't think that's right. Who am I, who am I to contradict Charles Wendell? But I'm just sharing my own thoughts there. There's so much of God's word. It's not, there's a lot here that's not positive. You know, if I come up here and I just want to be positive all the time, I can give you a nice story, but that's not the true word of God. Yes, God's word is very positive in many ways. I think of, um, uh, what is it, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I mean, that's positive, isn't it? And yeah, we need to preach that. But there are texts which are not positive, like the one we looked at today. There's no way I could present that to you in all honesty and be positive. And so, yeah, there are times God's word is very positive and we read it and we're happy and enjoying life. But if we're honest with ourselves, there are times we read God's word and you think, oh, man, this is terrible. (laughs) You know, it's discouraging. And you know why that is? Because the Bible is a book of truth. It's not trying to con anyone. It's not trying to guarantee you're going to walk away happy. No, what it guarantees is that you'll hear truth. And there are times when truth is good news and there's time when truth is bad news. Think about the unsaved sinner. When he hears the truth, he has to repent and believe on Christ. That's not good news to him. But when you hear it, and of course if you comply with it, then that, that will certainly turn out to be good news. But on the surface, it sounds, it sounds very difficult. Solomon made this statement in Ecclesiastes 3.1. To, every, to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under the sun. There's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planting. There is a time, and I would say there is a time in your preaching to be negative. There is a time for that. There's also a time in your preaching to be positive. And now how do you know which one? Easy. Let the text tell you what it is. And if my text is positive, then I'm going to present a positive message. If my text is negative, then I'm going to present a negative one. Today, this is pretty negative, I thought. And I sort of have to <clears throat> struggle to get through it, because I, I like to give happy, joyful thoughts. But today it wasn't joyful. But that's okay. That's the truth. That's where things are. That's the way it is. And that's why we need a Savior. Mankind needs a Savior because he is so messed up. <laughs> and we're part of that, but by God's grace, he saved us. The Lord saved us out of that mess and didn't leave us in that mess of humanity, lost angry, hostile, and headed to hell. But no, the Lord said, I'm taking you, Don Britton, although you deserve hell, <laughs> you've earned it and deserve it, I'm going to put you over here with those that are born again. And, you, and of course, that happened to every one of us by his grace. And that's why we're here today, using God's word, because we were recipients of God's grace. And what does scripture tell us? What For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. And think about, by the, by the mercy of God, we have been recipients 
of that grace. That's why we're here today. That's why we love him. That's why we have a purpose in living. That's why we got heaven waiting for us. But we're not in heaven yet. We're still here. So we still got to be geared up for the battle until the Lord calls us home. And that's what you want to do. You want to be active and aggressive in the battle for souls until the Lord calls you home. Let's pray together. Our Father, we want to say thank you for saving us here. Here is a room of undeserving, at least for my, let me talk for myself, an undeserving sinner. You know it. And people knew me. They'd never talk to me again because you know what a rotten sinner I am. And yet you say you placed your grace upon me and saved me and led me from all sinful things. And I want to say thank you for this, oh Lord. If there's anyone in this room that does not deserve to be here behind the pulpit preaching, it's me. I'm an example of your grace, <laughs> of your wonderful grace and mercy, and I thank you. And your correction and discipline, I've had it all, as we all have, oh Lord. I'm wondering, is there someone here today? Let me ask even a more close and a more serious question. Lord, is there anyone here today who has never bowed the knee to you, has never surrendered their heart to you? They may know about you. They may like, they understand the Bible stories, but they've never said, oh Lord, I want you as my savior. I'm a sinner. Save me from my sins. I want you to be my savior and my Lord. Please forgive me. Please receive me. And if there's anyone here, I would remind you of John 1.12, as many as received him to them, gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them which believe on his name. Isn't that wonderful? That he will give you the power of God to follow him. Won't you talk to the Lord about it right now for 30 seconds as I remain quiet. If you have any doubt about your own state, talk to the Lord about it now. Say, yes, Lord, I want to be saved. Please receive me. And then, our Father, we want to call down your blessing on this wonderful church, Lord. You know how um, we love to be here. I think about how Vicky used to love to be here. We thank you. We ask for your blessing on this church's congregation, Lord. We pray that you will add to it as you see fit. We pray that you will keep them strong. And guide them, Lord. Have your way in this church, as you have been and as you are having right now. We pray that you'll continue to put your blessing on them. Through Christ our Lord, amen.